Welcome to another episode of RaiderCast in partnership with Tomb Raider. I'm Chris, and today I'm joined by co-host Neha from Crystal Dynamics Tomb Raider social media team. How are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Really good, I'm very, very excited about today. I've been looking forward to this for ages, and I'm so excited. I'm excited too. I've gotten to speak to Noah plenty of times before, but I've never actually really spoken to Jason that much, only like once. <laughs> cool. So, in celebration of Tomb Raider Legend and Anniversary Month, we have some special guests from the development teams who we invited to chat about Lara's mid-2000s adventures. Shall we dive in? So, please welcome Jason Butter and Noah Hughes. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Please, could you briefly introduce yourselves and your roles in making Tomb Raider Legend and Tomb Raider Anniversary? My name is Noah Hughes. I'm Studio Creative Director here at Crystal Dynamics. I've been um, working on Tomb Raider since Tomb Raider Legend and um, work closely with the development team, um, but also bridge that um, dev team to brand vision and um, franchise management side of things. Uh, I'm Jason Bada. I, I'm principal designer at Crystal Dynamics. Uh, on Tomb Raider Legend, I was the lead technical artist, which was very first time we actually had that title in the studio. Uh, and then on Tomb Raider Anniversary, I was the creative director. So from the moment it was made clear that Tomb Raider was in your hands, what were the first steps? Um, well, for, for us, it was a very exciting moment. I remember I got a little bit of a, a heads up from um, the head of studio and it was very exciting. But the thing that was new for us is working with a property that was not a new IP to the studio. So one of the things we wanted to do first was really immerse. I mean, obviously as gamers, we have played Tomb Raider, but there's a certain um, depth that you want to understand the material before you start making it. So that's something that we dove into. And I think we'll look at some, some content, but part of that was just playing around with the character in the world and doing some very early prototyping against that. Oh, we recently saw some of that stuff. Some uh, things that Megan managed to uncover was a lot of like really early gameplay footage and it looked amazing. There were some really, really cool things going on there. How did it feel to be in that position of being able to like revamp the series? Um, yeah, I mean, I know from, from my side of it, it's, it's incredibly exciting. It was an honor to have the opportunity and it was certainly something that was a challenge we we wanted to rise to that we knew what we were working with was something very special and there was a sense that we really wanted to do it justice Fantastic. Yeah, i think that was definitely it like we were all big fans we knew there was a lot of pressure on us to live up to the expectations of all of the you know the history of the franchise and the the love that people had for the the game and the series um and so just yeah, yeah, to do our best and then also to, you know, to keep, to bring it forward, to invent the next chapter in, in Lara's history. I mean, she was, you know, she had such a, you know, she had many games before we took over the franchise. And so it was sort of continuing that tradition and always trying to 
you know, bring, you know, Lara into the forefront of gaming again and take her on her next great adventure. So it's good times. That's really exciting. Um, so Chris mentioned all the footage that Megan has been digging up and we released like a lot of beta gameplay videos. Were there ever any thoughts to simply continue within the same timeline as the previous six or was the reimagining of this series on the cards from early on? Um, we looked at both directions. I think we looked at picking up the story a bit closer to where it had left off. And we also looked at um, stepping back a little bit and looking at the franchise across media. And I think in the end, that's what we ended up doing is realizing that as much as the games were the foundation of the Tomb Raider experience, that we had a lot of people that were familiar with the films and came into um, love with, falling in love with Lara Croft through the movies as well. And some of what we did was try to take a step back and um, unify those two lenses into Lara's world um, and, and pick up a little bit farther away from where Core had, had left off as an opportunity to really start a new chapter in Lara's story with everything that came before it in mind. Fantastic, yeah, Angelina Jolie had such a big impact like on the series, on the character. It's just like one and the same for a lot of people still today, I think, when they see Angelina yeah. Jolie, it's Lara Croft. It's brilliant. Yeah, amazing casting on that one. Yeah. So talking about those early days, could you tell us about maybe some of the early suggested storylines that didn't pan out for one reason or another, or just like some jokey ones that were sort of thrown around back then, if you remember any? Man, you remember any? No, I can't remember any other <laughs> ones. Um, I, yeah. I mean, the only thing I remember is that we very early on wanted to make it, you know, a much more emotional journey, right? Which is why we, you know, ended up making you know a lot of it about her mother and her family like i know that was a big thing for us i think there was I can't remember what other what we had you know what was sort of our, our this the exact specifics but you know we wanted to bring more of an emotional connection to the character because i think even you know we've talked about it in in the past but like how laura had been sort of very um you know, she'd sort of been a character that was very aloof and we wanted to sort of bring um, more of a connection for players to be able to relate to her as a, as a heroine, right? So um, I think that was, I think, a big thing for us. But do you remember any specifics of the narrative itself? I mean, I think probably looking at that continuation of the series from where it left off, we had played with that, that a little bit more. And I think one of the things we realized was that it felt like core wanted to go someplace with that and it felt like we couldn't exactly it's almost like we couldn't do it justice as as newcomers to the franchise so there was this space around that 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 was enticing to dig into mm -hmm. but also um was it was a little bit intimidating so i think that was something that we played around with a little bit Oh. Um, so can you talk us through some of Lara's early designs um, from her appearance in Angel of Darkness through to Legend and the decisions which guided her creation? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, taking the character visually um, was a similar approach, which is starting with the elements that made her great to begin with and trying to really retain those, but bring them forward. Um, one of the things that was particularly exciting is we had um, Toby Gard uh, came on board as um, someone who could help us work with both characterizing Lara on a narrative front, as well as visual designs. So in some ways that gave us more confidence to evolve those Lara designs. And it was actually super fun to see Toby sketching all these possible visions for, for Lara's visuals. And I know um, Cam Yu, who talked to this much better, has been our Lara artist for forever now um, and did some amazing work trying to take the same aesthetic that represented that character from a feature standpoint, but bring it closer to a human representation. Obviously, we've taken that farther in some of the more modern games, and Legend sits kind of in the middle there, where she still retains some very exaggerated features, the, the intense eyebrows, the, the, the seagull lips, the long, um, slender face and and the the legs. <laughs> we always um, one of the things that we realized is her knees are very narrow. That she it gives her um, legs a very long look, but it's it's just another aspect of her of her um, features that are exaggerated in some ways. So um, our goal was to make her um, high fidelity and. Uh, um, um, both in her movements and her visual to really come to life as a character. But it is interesting when you're, when you're trying to take such extreme features and blend them with human proportions. And so it's one of the things I like about the, the character design in Legend is it sits squarely in the middle there. Yeah, the thing I like about it too is it, I think it harkens back to her first outfit in TR1, like in, uh, in AOD, they had, in Angel of Darkness, they had gone pretty far with, like, if you compared that Lara to, you know, her original instantiation in TR and, and the original Tomb Raider that Core had made, they were, you know, they couldn't be farther apart, right? And so part of, I think, the thing that I always enjoyed about the legend character design was that it sort of, it sort of called back much more closely to the original. Um, I mean, you can see, there, see them behind you, right? That the, 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 the anniversary and which, you know, was once again, you know, derived and, and based on the, the legend model, but still, I think, has a lot of the, the core components with the holsters and the shorts and the tank top, right? And we just sort of took those sort of elements and made that part of the core redesign. So that was part that I liked. It made her, in my mind, feel very adventury. And I think that yeah. was a big part for us was getting back to that sort of, you know, adventury out in the, the wilds feeling. I mean, from the opening scenes where she's you know, going along the cliffs and uh, near the waterfalls. Like, I mean, I love that intro to the it's, game. So it's an iconic it's, start to a game. I yeah. think that is. Yeah. No, the other thing that reminds it. me of uh, looking at Chris's background is the, her gear became very important for us in this chapter as part of that taking on these extreme environments. And so the grapple, obviously a signature element, um, but you can see her character design itself was meant to showcase some of that 
um, visual aesthetic of being well equipped for the journey. So Lara is a really British character. Uh, was it a challenge to reimagine her with a team on the other side of the world? What was that like? Yeah, that's something. That's something that um, is is hard harder for us as a studio to find people who can be that lens against. Are we doing it right? Um, fortunately, we we were still. Um, IDOS had uh, headquarters still in the UK, so we had a lot of people on the just on the publishing side who had a long history with Lara. So in addition to having Toby locally um, and, and other obviously fans of the series locally, also having that connection and having a review process through, through the UK was, was valuable for sure. You did already kind of mention Toby, you mentioned like, you know, getting to see his sketches and stuff like that early on was really fun. So what was it like otherwise working with Toby and how early in the development was he brought on board? Um, he was brought on fairly early. I don't, I don't know if Bada, you know exactly when, but I do remember. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah we were making those um, character designs and early concepts. Um, so he was definitely there early in the process. And yeah, I mean, what's it like to work Toby? Toby is, um, he's probably one of the creatives I have learned most from. He really is, um, you think, does someone get lucky with a game like Tomb Raider and you meet Toby and you know that it wasn't luck, that he he really was, and the, and the whole studio, the core studio it, itself was an amazing set, a group of talented people, um, but but Toby definitely is a creative genius when it comes to character design and characterization as it relates to story and character arcs and things like that. So for me, it was it was always <clears throat> it was great to be both learning about what went into making Lara, but also just learning about what goes into making great characters and, and great stories. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, he was already at the studio on Legend, so at the start of Anniversary, which came immediately following, he was there from the outset, so like we were working hand in hand on story and all of the, everything in, in Anniversary was, you know, both of us from the beginning. Hmm, I guess it's kind of like his baby. Yeah, it was definitely his baby. I was like yeah, the, actually, you know, the, the stepfather. <laughs> as terrifying as it was to make a sequel to a core game, to to reimagine a core game um, as Bada did was was particularly intimidating. And, and that was another area where at least having Toby there um, right by Bada's side gave, gave him that extra insights and gave us all confidence that we could do it with with respect and credibility. That's good. Yeah, yeah and, we'll, I, we and will... I think it gave me I think it gave me the freedom too to um... To, to try things and know when I'd gone too far on the design side and, and or, or where we were trying to push too far and change too many things, he would sort of definitely, you know, be like, I don't, you know, this isn't even, you know, this isn't not close to what we were doing and I feel it's pushing too far away of the character. So it was a really nice sort of, um, you know, he was a good litmus test of like, hey, this is the right thing to do or we've, you know, we're trying to do something too far. So it was it was really nice having them there and I think it gave us the freedom to experiment and, and change the right things and not be afraid that we were gonna offend anybody. So that was it was it was invaluable. 
and That's he had funny. a few things that he, you know, maybe wished he had a little more um, canvas to to get into the game. So he he came with sort of that sense of getting a second swing at that mm. story, which was cool for him too. I think knowing the yeah. sort of things he wanted to add to it, I guess. Oh, okay, um, so the. Lara's, the concept of Lara as a character sort of changed from originally being more of a, an anti-hero to being, in legend, more in line with a sort of Hollywood hero. Um, we read a little bit about this. Um, I think it could have been yourself, Noah, who was talking to Megan about it for her 20 years of Tomb Raider book. Five years ago now, blimey, that's fast. Um, and so what was the sort of the, some of the decisions behind this there's an ongoing talk at the moment. People are, some people are surprised. Other people think of Lara Croft as an anti-hero. Um, where do you sort of stand on that? Yeah, that, that's this is one that we spent hours and hours talking about. Um, we had multiple creative directors at the studio working on Tomb Raiders simultaneously, and Toby as well. And those conversations about what what really makes Lara tick are are sort of foundational to consistency across stories. Um, and this is probably one of the hottest topics. To be honest, the way Toby describes Lara as nearly a villain, like it, it almost goes beyond anti-hero and, and really pushes her to that limit. One of the things we realized is that not everyone took that from all of those stories, that there is actually a degree of interpretation of how much um what her motivations are we had nerdy conversations like lawful good versus chaotic good versus um, <laughs> and, Croft and dungeons and dragons yeah. let's do it and, That's right. and even crazy hypotheticals like um if the street urchin stole a key that was the only key that could open the door to save the world <laughs> would Laura street urchin in order to get the key before the world ended and, and it is through exploration of those things that we realized one of the things that that we did want to retain, even as we cast her in a very aspirational light, was she will do whatever it takes in order to, to take on the burden of responsibility that she has because she understands the scope and stakes of some of these um, mythical supernatural elements in our world right and and because no one else can can save us from that she does have that necessity to to go all the way in order to do that so we did want to make sure that we retained an element of her living outside of the natural law um or or at least the the, the civil law and because she was governed by something more important than that. And, and that's sort of where we found that, that middle ground where people's interpretations could both apply on some level. I like that. It's a really poetic way of uh, putting it. That's a really good answer. You touched on this a little bit, um, just kind of mentioning that you brought uh, Laura's like family into the picture for a legend. Um, so just what, what led to this decision? 
what led to this terrible series of events. No, <laughs> just kidding. We, I didn't say uh, it. We get lots of family feedback. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> in in some ways, um, some of that did come from the movie, but more of it came from what what Jason was saying was we we wanted to understand who Lara was as a, a person like you or I, that she she's extraordinary and she's different than you or I in so many other ways, but we wanted to see some of the parallels and say, what is it like being a Lara Croft? And when you start juxtaposing that to more relatable elements like family, um, you start to render different facets of a character. So I think it was that element that was probably motivated at most. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think especially with a character who is so sort of focused and driven along one train of thought, you need to sort of, I think, be able to understand the limits of what stops her from crossing that line from like, you know, hero or anti-hero into villain. And so by providing that depth through the familial connections, we can sort of help players understand emotionally why Lara stops herself from crossing that threshold, right? Because she's always teetering on that edge of like her obsession going too far, right? And yeah, no, I think yeah, some of my favorite moments throughout the series have always been those sort of will she, won't she moments as well. And yeah. there's, a, there's a really good one of those in um, Anniversary when Natla tempts her with everything and she's like, mm, no. Yeah. But, yeah. Moving on to a little bit more in terms of the control schemes and development of Lara's movements. The feel and fluidity of Legend differed greatly from previous Tomb Raider titles up till that point. Can you talk us through some of the technical innovations that you made to create this game? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, one of, I mean, I know for us, we, you know, looking back at where Tomb Raider was prior you know the big thing was really a, a really great uh tool set that we had where we could sort of blend all of our animations and um develop a movement system that sort of allowed for really fluid and um uh and and detailed animations because we were i mean i i think i'm pretty sure the model that we were using at that time, we were pre-calculating the jump distances and the connections prior to, like, as soon as you press the button, the game knew, okay, she's going to connect to this ledge. Okay, she's not going to connect to this ledge. And so what that allowed us to do is to do really fluid um, animation uh, that um, could reflect sort of what was going to happen because it wasn't like we were just waiting until the moment that you ran into the wall to play the attach animation. So it gave us the ability to have much more fluid animation, much more believable sort of actions and preemptive actions and, and reactions to her movement as she went through the world. Um, and it, I mean, that was just, you know, credit to our great engineering team at the time who, you know, it, you know developed that system for her movement and then uh, developed some great animation blending tools that allowed us to create, you know, I think, you know, at that point, which was the in the most fluid Lara of to date, right? And obviously we've continued to push that moving forward, but that yeah. core technology, I think has been, I mean, we've used it on every Lara since then, right? Pretty much. 
So um, previously for Angel of Darkness, Angel of Darkness had take, taken a step towards motion capture with mocap cutscenes. What were the benefits of going back to hand animating everything? Yeah, I'm sure some of the artists could speak to this more because there's probably multiple facets to this. But I do think that there was an element related to what Jason just talked about, which is the fluidity combined with responsiveness as a goal. And um, we've come a long way with motion capture technology. Um, so it, we have a lot more tools to, to achieve those goals within motion capture. But one of the things we really wanted was the players not to be waiting around for animations to finish and those blending systems and part of the blending systems they chew through they chew through frames and part of what you're trying to do is hit these signature poses so i think in a lot of ways it allowed the animators to to create a more fluid and responsive lara that still hit very iconic poses and and it goes anywhere from you know her core moves but also just the this the signature flair and things that she could do that she could branch from one animation into any number of animations and and this gave no matter what i think the artists were doing a lot to make sure that those blend paths worked and worked quickly and responsibly for the player and and ultimately looked smooth that fluid movement was one of our core pillars or tokens yeah Pretty much it. Yeah, fluid movement was one of the pillars of the game. So making sure that she was always looking and feeling great and responsive was, I think, it was definitely one of, I think, the, the best technical achievements we made in the game. And, you know, it was reflected in how she felt to play. Wonderful. Taking you back on a very uh, general journey to 2006 or slightly before 2006. What was it like during production? Can you tell us about some of the best moments and biggest challenges that you had to overcome during development? Oh, man. Uh, I know on anniversary, one of the, the biggest challenges that we had to overcome was just the timeline. It was sort of because of, it was a game made for the 10 year anniversary of Tomb Raider. We needed to come out 10 years after the original. <laughs> so um, we needed, we had a very short timeline because we had just wrapped Legend. And then there was this sort of small window of time where we could make um, the, you know, anniversary as a sort of, you know, reimagining slash tribute to uh, the original Tomb Raider. So that was, I think the biggest hurdle was just the timeline. It was very truncated compared to Legend. Um, thankfully we had a great starting base with everything we had just done. So, um, you know, along with the help of uh, the team up at BuzzMonkey, we were really able to, I think, crank out a very, I mean, as, as I think it might even be larger than Legend Anniversary, uh, as far as game size in a very short amount of time with a, you know, a pretty small team. So, yeah, that's really impressive. Great. Like it is, it's like, I think it's like twice the size or something. Yeah, nice. it's, it's, it's pretty massive. I blame Toby for that one, for making the original <laughs> Tomb Raider enormous. <laughs> and we cut so much. If, if, I mean, you are probably familiar with the original Tomb Raider and how big it actually is. It is massive, the original. Um, yeah. So even in Anniversary, which was twice as big as Legend, we still probably only did, I don't know, 
I would say a quarter of the size of the original Tomb Raider. I mean, it's really huge. Wow. No, it's still a massive achievement. Like, yeah. Blimey. I think some of the things on Legend, um, some of the wins for Legend were were early on to some extent that one, I think the the a few moments that capture Lara in 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 all her her awesomeness, um, things like the the Tiwanaku uh, climb and doing that cartwheel up, and there's just something about her her climbing that sheer face and doing it with such grace um, that it was very exciting to capture that Lara very early in development, um, and then other moments like the the waterfall in Ghana. Um, doing that swan dive off the waterfall and and just the big reveal of secrets behind the waterfall that, that so you were just cinematic. dying to explore. Um, so some capturing some of those moments, but then we really had a commitment to early on in the game to, to achieve um, an amount of player choice and experimentation. So we had the physics system as something that allowed us to do puzzle design a bit different than um, we had in the past, and it was exciting to play with those physics elements within puzzles, and even to the extent of giving multiple solutions for puzzles, having the, the elite, um, I forget what we call them, the gold rewards or something, but yeah. the the ability to um, really deliver some new facets to puzzle design was fun fun for us early on as well. So those were a couple of the, the wins that I think helped get us our, get our legs under us early. Yeah, once the physics system came online and we were able to sort of create these analog puzzles, I really think that it motivated the team and sort of inspired everybody to see like, oh, how far can we really push this and how, you know, how, how complicated can we get? Uh, and those dynamic elements in combat, too, that you see in some of those early videos, whether it's shooting an element in the environment or pulling it down with a grapple, really trying to make sure that the, the world was dynamic. Um, in in puzzles as well as ambient ways yeah i do remember the headaches from all the physics puzzles too i mean anytime you give players analog control over anything i mean the, the amount of bugs that you can create in situations you can in they can get themselves into is you know it it, it sort of almost infinite so it was, <laughs> we always had a fun challenge trying to create the sense of ultimate freedom but then you know not make a game that you can break so and I, the other part was players' expectations about that too. I remember one of the hardest things to grasp was player that Lara herself had weight, whether that was standing on something, hanging on something, or swinging into something. That her being a physics object was sort of foreign to players. It wasn't as common back then, so it was one of those mm -hmm. things that, depending on the player, it often took them a little while to realize that Lara was a physics object in the world. Uh, were there some things you wish you could have included in the game which didn't make it through to the end product? Once once you sort of got the idea that Lara was going to wield Excalibur, the, the, <laughs> there, was a, there was a fairly large scope version of that, which ultimately we didn't end up doing. But I do remember that was one thing that um, our ambitions for how Lara interacted with that weapon um, was something that could have gone farther, but in the end, um, served its place. Was it was the debate on having like a another level where Lara had it? Because I think she had it for like 
the end of the Nepal section, and then obviously during the huge final fight as well. Were there like was there going to be other levels as well? Um, I think it, it's the 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 length of it was tailored to the functionality of it. So it was it was new mechanics, but it was a limited enough set of new mechanics that we took the amount of time to explore that that we needed to to the extent that it had more mechanics we probably would have had more runway with it um how big was the team in comparison to legend for anniversary and how did the development differ um i can't remember exactly how many people were on legend but it was definitely larger than the team that we had on anniversary i think the core team anniversary was around 30 35 people and that was split between crystal and buzz monkey um in oregon yeah uh so or no washington i forget where they were but uh somewhere up north <laughs> that i went to and several times um but uh yeah so we had split the team up and they were they helped us out in sort of most facets of the game uh, a lot of on design, but also engineering. Um, and then there was a lot of support from different groups within the organization, cinematics and concepts and stuff that were people like Crystal that were sort of shared resources between everyone. It was definitely a lean and mean team. It was, yeah. um, and I think there, there was a lot that was difficult about that, but I know one of the things I admired about you guys is that it was very, the Leeds team was very close and collaborative, um, but I think there was really good communication and um, and a sense of ownership that came from that that size of team. So it's definitely impressive what the, what the team was able to achieve. And I think part of that was just working really good together as a group. Yeah, we were all huddled in sort of one section of the old crystal building, and there were just sort of like a few rooms, and we were all sitting right there within fifteen feet of each other for almost the entire development cycle. So. You know, anytime we had a question or there was, you know, debate about something, we would just sort of like roll the chair over and then be like, hey, what's going on? And then sort of talk it out and then roll back. And, um, you know, we had, a, I mean, the team was super talented. All of the, everybody that worked on Anniversary was, was great. I felt, I'm not going to lie, a little privileged. I got to take sort of all of my favorite people from, from Legend and, and make Anniversary while they were sort of developing a lot of the, the you know, the, the next version of the, the engine and the tools and everything for, um, for Underworld. So it was great. I mean, I had a bunch of super smart uh, artists who were, had a great design sensibility and a bunch of designers who uh, had, you know, worked amazing with artists. So everybody got along really well. Everybody contributed. We had a great democracy um, for almost all the decision making, um, and it was it was super fun. It's I think still probably my favorite development. That sounds like such game. a great team. Sounds like really, really cool. good. Uh, so, going a bit more into anniversary, it's often called a remake, but in many ways, it's more of a reimagining of the first game in Tomb Raider. What are your thoughts on that, and how was that approached during development? I would agree. I would I would say it's for me. I would definitely consider it a reimagining, not a remake. Um, we were obviously went back, played through the entirety of Tomb Raider multiple times, um, and then recorded it so we could review all of those playthroughs whenever we needed. 
Um, and then, um, but definitely it wasn't a one-to-one remake. As I was saying, the original Tomb Raider is massive and we just didn't have the team size or the timeline to rebuild everything one-to-one. And, and I don't think we really wanted to either. The, we were coming from a different Lara with different moveset, different abilities, and we knew we needed to update um, all of the puzzles and the layouts and everything to reflect the current uh, version of Lara that we had built in Legend. And so we couldn't really do that if we just sort of in, just sort of put a level of polish on what was there before. So for every imagining. Um, yeah, that's actually, I remember early on, we ended up using that word specifically to communicate to publishing and others to really understand the intent of the game. And I, I think um, part of that, again, we talked about having Toby there and that gave us a little bit more confidence to, to be a little bit more aggressive with that. We also had, as I had mentioned, we had um, you know some canon gaps between the, the core games and, and our games. And um, in some ways, the anniversary edition interpreted some of those differences in a retroactive way to um, reconcile some of the, the through line, um, our intent being ultimately um, get back to uh, a sense of continuity between these games. Yeah, and like Noah was saying, we wanted to sort of bridge the gap with, you know, with what we had done previously in Legend, but, and like, because Toby was there, there was a lot of things that he had wanted to get into the original story of Tomb Raider that didn't come across as well, or, you know, he just ran out of time and couldn't get into the game. So it was an opportunity for us to sort of imbue, that, you know, the more narrative and some of these ideas into the game um, on the second go, as it were. <laughs> so uh, I know you mentioned, obviously, the you, you talked about how the original game was massive and you you said I guess you covered like a quarter of it um so how did you decide which areas to keep and which to remove from the original yeah it was really I think pinpointing the the rooms and the spaces and the gameplay sequences that resonated with us and really stood out they had you know that were iconic and had sort of unique architecture or you know signature gameplay moments um whether that's what against certain enemies like you know the T-Rex or you know like the reveal of the you know the waterfall in Peru with the giant gears um, or you know even like surf St. Francis Folly in in Greece uh, those sorts of things we knew we need to sort of play on what would be the people remember if they had played Tomb Raider one and make sure they included many or all of those things back in um, to the original. And so once we had sort of gone through, um, played through the original, we sort of had a big list that we just started listing out all of the, the spaces and the sequences that we that we thought were important. And then we just, you know, and then we and then took those as inspiration and then built out the new game from there. I'm going to ask a super, super geeky question. And I don't know if it's something that's going to be able to be answered but it's something that's been playing on my mind for the longest time. And I really hope someone can answer it. I've always wanted to know about T. Hoken's empty tomb in Tomb Raider Anniversary, because did you intend to bring him back at some point in the future? And was he intended as the culprit who was sealing ancient rulers in crystal 
in in legend. You had the Queen of Tuanaku, you had King Arthur, and then you also saw Tihokan sealing Natla inside a crystal. Was that a deliberate, he's the one doing it? Or was that just a, oh, there are these people who can do things with crystals? Noah, do you remember? <laughs> I don't remember exactly. Uh, I wish Toby were here to answer that question. <laughs> One of the things I, I will say is that the we we do look at the um, the Atlantis thread as as sort of core underpinnings to the franchise. Um, so those characters do have roles in the background um, and, and it's exciting for us to to have the opportunity to weave some of those things in um, but I think for it we can't speak to specific um, intent in that context <sighs> what were some of your proudest moments when it came to making these two games for me, I mean, joining that, I mean, being on Tomb Raider, I think just in general was such a huge privilege. Like that was so amazing to get to work on it as a franchise and, and having, you know, worked on it for the last 15 years, it's been great the, the whole, the whole way through. Um, I, I love Lara and Tomb Raider. Um, I would say for me, the proudest moment was just getting anniversary done. It was so hard. I don't think I slept for like a week as we were oh, trying no. to like, but, uh, you know. Speaking of hard, you know, my proudest yeah. moment? Which one? That beating that pyramid, that oh. pyramid <laughs> Yeah, it's the level that I've gotten the most flack on over all the years was that, that the going up the the giant pyramid, uh, the, the, yeah, the, giant, the wall runs in in the lost uh, mines. Yeah, uh, I, well, I don't know why I made that so mean. I remember when we were developing players. it. Just admit it. I don't hate <laughs> players. I I remember we were making it, and the designers kept coming uh, coming back, and they'd be like, "All right, we retuned it," and I would play through it. And I would just be like, I don't know, it's still easy. I think we had just been playing so much and I had gotten so good at it that I my perspective was very skewed. We built the game in a linear fashion. So by the time we had gotten the the, the Lost Minds was the last levels that we built for the game. Uh, and I think I'd just gotten so good at that point. I just kept playing that and being like, I don't know, it's not hard. It's so easy to get through this. And then afterwards, everyone was like, you're insane. This is like the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, so sorry to everyone that got stuck there. Uh, it was not intentional uh, accident. Sorry, it's, it's okay. absolutely my fault because I am the one that kept telling everybody to make it harder. I remember that. Well, it's flex. Oh goodness me! To finish up, do you have anything that you'd like to say to the biggest legend and anniversary fans in the Tomb Raider community? I mean, other than just thank you for being fans and continuing to support the franchise and come on this journey with us. I mean, it's been amazing to work on. Uh, like I said, I felt privileged to, to carry on the Tomb Raider tradition. Um, and it's I, I'm just happy that everybody's still playing Tomb Raider and still getting enjoyment out of it. I mean, that's sort of for us, the whole point of making games is that people can find something that they enjoy and relate to and continue to enjoy it for years and years. So. Thanks, and, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks. 
thanks absolutely to, to the fans and um, we have a lot of people giving us feedback of what direction to go with the game, but the fans that have been with us um, and, and Lara for that long are really experts. They're as much experts of the franchise as we are. So we do <laughs> listen. And if there's, if you love those games and there's things you like, things you missed or things you want to see, um, we're all ears that um, we're, we feel so grateful to, to be able to make Tomb Raider games. And we want to make Tomb Raider games that, that you guys love. That is a wonderful note to end on. Thank you so much to both of you. Thank you, Noah, and thank you, Jason, for taking thank the time. You. And all the best in the future. And thank you for everything you've done for Tomb Raider so far. No problem. Thanks. Have a great one. Yes. Thank you, guys. <laughs>